Craft Beer Radio, episode 59, November 9th, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear. And I'm Greg Weiss. And this week we're looking at some interesting stouts. We've got some oyster stouts and some oatmeal stouts. Yum. Before we get into the beers this week, we're going to uh, go over a little bit of business about Craft Beer Radio. Just a quick rundown here. Um, we are going, well, we're going to try to go to the Great American Beer Fest. If we can raise $700 for the plane tickets... We'll be there. Or at least a good portion towards it, yeah. right? So there's some donation links on our website. We really want to go to the Great American Beer Festival next October. If you could do your part to help send us. That's right. Give us money. <laughs> we'd be grateful. <laughs> yeah, we'd be extremely grateful. And hopefully we'd give you a good show from there. Bunch of good shows. I mean, James Spencer's still giving shows from Great American Beer Fest. Yeah. Beer Geek Roundtable number two has been scheduled. This time we're going to try to use a Skype cast. This is uh, something that Skype has now where it lets you do conference-type calls a lot easier and we'll have more control. If you've seen the message on the website, we've moved it back because that was like the day before Thanksgiving. So now it's going to be Thursday, November 30th, starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're interested, you know... It's pretty late. Wow. We've got to get the West Coast people. Here, yeah, that's true. So you can go to our website and there will be a link to the Skype cast. You can go. I don't know if you can uh, pre-register or not, but bookmark it and set your calendar so you don't forget. And then we're going to do a new show format called CBR Blind. And this is going to be a fun one where we uh, are not going to know what beers we're drinking. And we may even taste them blindfolded so we can't even see what they look like. I really like that idea. I mean, we won't be able to tell what it looks like, but we should be able to get aroma and taste profiles and stuff and figure it out. So what we're going to do is uh, Rick Sellers is going to help us organize this. He's going to be our virtual steward. So you can contact him. There will be a link on our website as well. And what you're going to do is he's going to organize what beers are going to you guys can send to us. And then you're going to send them to my wife. And she's going to be the physical pouring steward. And But Rick's going to kind of do the stewardly duties over the Skype cast. Nice. So should be fun. Yeah, and uh, don't be afraid to throw a gotcha in there, but also don't be afraid to not throw a gotcha. I don't want to yeah. make us, you know, I don't want to get too into it, but... You know, if you could stay away from the, the, the American premium loggers, that'd probably be good. <laughs> if there's a Cave Creek chili in there. <laughs> Take a big sip of this one. Anyway, let's start with going on to the beers. What do we All got? All right. Do you want to do the homebrew with the oysters? Yeah, let's do All that. All right. Jamie sent us a homebrew a while ago. It is an oyster stout. We're going to give this a try. Now, an oyster stout, there are, from what I have been reading, there are basically two versions of oyster stouts, one with and one without oysters. Okay. Uh, now, oysters, yeah, actual we got a oyster, the uh, the sea creature, which is, uh, and this one's gushing, which is used uh, just a, a couple oysters, you know, about a pound of, of oysters in like a whole huge uh, 50-gallon thing. But uh, you're actually using oysters in in the kettle, uh, and I believe it's actually part of the uh, mash process. But you can also – there's some oyster stouts that don't have oysters in them, and they're just – it was basically these stouts were used to be they, – they were – they were being drunk with oysters in back in England when oysters were cheap okay. food, and so they're called. Oh, so they stouts. paired with oysters. Yeah, I gotcha. No, this one has physical oysters in the brew kettle, and uh, poured insanely foamy. Yeah, you open the cap and start gushing out. My notes are all beer covered now. <laughs> Yay! It pours um awesome chocolate covered head though. Yeah, and look at how dark that is. That is just. <laughs> No, oyster stouts, like sweet stouts, are going to be very, very dark. They're going to, uh, they have, I think, some, some additional sugars in there, and they just are going to be extremely dark. You're not even going to get highlights on this. Yeah, I really didn't have time. I didn't even think, well, it's not that I didn't have time. I didn't have to think of looking up or asking Jamie for his recipe so we could see kind of what was yeah. in it. Beer was just recently featured on Basic Brewing Video. They did a food and beer pairing video yeah. show, and they did Jamie's oyster stout as well. Really has a nice aroma, a nice kind of chocolatey, uh, cookie-like aroma. 
We got like a half glass of foam, so yeah. we're not going to be able to get to the beer anytime soon. <laughs> but like we said, I mean, it is dark. It is just dark. Just black. Black as night. Do you have any other information on this one? I do not. Well, well, we're waiting for it to go down. We can do an email or two. Yeah, I guess so. Let's go into an email here. Chris sent us an email. I'm curious about what makes a beer an imperial beer. Oh, this is a good one. Let's take Pilsner, for example. I've had Pilsners that are hoppier than imperial ones. Is there a certain amount of hops that constitutes it? Thanks. Well, let me see if I can take this one. The designation imperial came from the Russian imperial stout. That's where it first started. The concept was it was a stout, but it was more than a stout. It had a lot more maltness. It was more alcoholic, and it was just more robust thing. It was just so much more. And that's kind of what imperial has become. It really, I think, now you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it really took off as it got to America, and American microbrewers started to really play with it. And start to throw imperial on everything. Yeah, I mean, I don't know of any other imperial beers other than imperial stout before American brewers and maybe some other craft brewers, but started making imperial IPAs. Right. And then, okay, if we can do it with a stout and an IPA, let's do it with a amber. Or let's a do it with a red ale or a pilsner or a Gaelic ale. Right. So you know, so the concept is sim- is basically. More. I mean, it's also known as a double. A double stout is, you can throw that around with Imperial or a double IPA. Yeah, American double stout probably uses that name so it's not confused with an Imperial stout. Because the they're, they're different. American double stout's a lot more roasty. And, oh, I guess they can be very similar. But in general, I think of something more like a Kalamazoo stout as a double stout. And imperial stouts are more alcohol warming. Right. So you're going to get higher alcohol. You're going to get more malt presence. But it's not just the hops. Like it's more. So when you're doing an IPA or pilsner, they're hoppy beers. So in the imperial version is going to have more hops. Uh, and then say you wanted to do a imperial Irish red or something, or imperial Scotch ale, yeah. well Scottish ale. That wouldn't be necessarily hoppier. It would have more melanoidins in it. It would be really caramelly or something along those lines. So it's not necessarily tasty. <laughs> imperial porters are kind of like imperial styles, but right. they don't have as much of the rose character. A lot of them kind of have a... Um, the ones that are made with lagers have a different character than the one, you know, the yeast one, or the, the ale yeast ones. So they have a very... Um, oh, how do I want to describe an imperial pilsner? I need to have one. I'm drawing a blank, so I'll just skip <laughs> Imperial this. Pilsner is it, it's a strong Pilsner. Um, tends to have... Uh, yeah, did I say Pilsner? I was thinking Porter. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Imperial Pilsner is going to have... Um, a lot of them have that really juicy, um, uh, whiny character, I guess, from a lot of the Pilsner malt, which has some DMS in it. Yeah. And that I haven't noticed change. Imperial Pilsners to be incredibly like overly hoppy i mean they're they have enough hops to you know make them you know really decent pilsners but i haven't noticed any of them just blowing your your head off hoppy i haven't had a lot of them anyway right but i just think i think that in general the imperials are going to be maltier they're going to be heavier in alcohol you're going to get some alcohol burning with them most likely and that's basically what you can expect out of something this imperial it's going to be a stronger more robust beer right then it's cousin. And if it's a hoppy style beer, the hops are going to be at the forefront. Right. But not always. There's going to be hoppy towards the front. So we're able to taste the the oyster stout now. And the first thing you notice is kind of a sweetness initially. And then it really spreads out. And all of a sudden, that oyster really comes through. Yeah, it um, has a bit of a um, well, cold coffee character yeah. to it. I almost thought that there was... a. What you taste from the oyster is almost a taste of the sea kind of flavor. It's not okay. It's not overt oysteriness. You know, it's not like you just shucked a live oyster and downed it. There's a little bit of saltiness, a little bit of brininess, um, and just a tad bit of that oyster meat. But it's really kind of, it, it, if you can imagine, it's in the background, but you're tasting it in the front of your mouth. Okay. I think I'm getting a little bit of oxidation in this beer. But it's coming across really well. It's coming across like an Imperial Porter um, with that little bit of uh, 
sweet sherryish type in the mid to late taste, it really fills this beer out well. And I'm not um, this oxidation. I think it makes this beer what it is. I'm really enjoying that part of it. <laughs> I see what you're getting from there. Are kind of there's kind of a sherry um, slash dark cherry characteristic. Yeah. And I don't know. That just makes helps me helps make this beer for me. I don't. I wouldn't take away how the the quality of this beer yeah. at all for that oxidation. Even if it's my fault for not drinking it, you know, many months ago when Jamie sent it. I like most good stouts. It's not doesn't really have a stringency to associated with. Mm-hmm. It. You expect that more from porters, right? Uh, but it does have a lot of roastiness. Can I give you a little bit more? Now you got room in your glass. Now, does he bottle a single oyster in every bottle? <laughs> There's a pearl. I was like, no, there's not a pearl, but I was reading about uh, someone who was making an oyster beer, and he bought like plastic pearls, and he prime, like put one in each bottle. So when you pour it, you get a little pearl back out. <laughs> Jay Wilson from Raleigh, North Carolina, emailed us. He said he liked our new closing music. Did you listen to that? I did listen to the banana phone stuff. I, <laughs> it's one of those internet fads. I I never even heard it before. You put on the show, so just like okay, <laughs> banana phone. I had it stuck in my head, so I had to put it on there so everyone else would get it stuck in their head. He has a, he's talking about you're in North it's Carolina. It's not a pony. Okay, <laughs> he's talking about how you were in North Carolina. Uh, it sounds like you found Durham's best selection at Tyler's, but you may have missed some of the best atmosphere. And he suggests next time you're in town, try the Federal and the James Joyce, conveniently next door to each other on Main Street. Absolutely. I'll be so, down there again. Not sure when, but I'll definitely be in Raleigh Dorm again. He also, I think it was him who said, I must have been down there for the World Beer Fest. Sadly, <laughs> I wasn't there for the World Beer Fest. I was there for work. And even more sadly, I missed it by one day. And I could have, if I would have flown in like Saturday morning, Friday night, oh, that I could have went. That was TJ from Apex. Who said oh, was that TJ? Yeah. Okay. I, if I, would, I, I don't know how I missed it this year. I didn't see any ads for it. And yeah, I flew in one day late. And I could have made it. Well, if I could have got tickets, I heard it was sold out for months. So, Jamie, I like your beer. Mm. It's really good. I um, I would like to know how many oysters he used. You know, what was the process for using oysters in it? Okay. How about we have him post it on the notes of the show? Very good. So people who want to know can go right to the show notes and read Jamie's comment. Hmm. Well, continue what TJ was saying about the WBF. He also had a completely different note. I absolutely see what you were both talking about with regard to beer culture in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. He says, I'm originally from the Berg. I still have many relatives here that still won't have anything but a macro, an Iron City, or a Rolling Rock. I'm still trying to convince them to go with me to check out Church Brew. I find that in a lot of people from around here. Just that, you know, friends of mine mm-hmm. uh, grew up around here, and they just... They, they they can't take it. Well, there's also the old the, the old Pittsburgh thing that a true Pittsburgher never crosses the rivers, right? Yeah. <laughs> they stay on their side of Pittsburgh, and that's where they're going to be. Yeah, that's a good point. And and a lot of people don't drink beer like for the same reasons we do. They drink beer just because it's there as a social yeah. thing for vehicle for the alcohol, whatever. We drink beer to experience the you know the nuances, the differences. Well, so. I mean, beer is a luxury for us. Yeah, and we—they don't look at it that way. They look at it as just a way to get alcohol in their system, or a thing just to pass time when you're with friends. You yeah. know, something like that. I'm not saying that any of those are bad. They're all good. There's a great social aspect to it. But yeah, a lot of these people just don't look at drinking beer the same way we do. You know, it's the person who buys the fifty cent coffee at the Greasy Spoon instead of a Starbucks. You know, it's, yeah, it's the same there, thing. like you said, there's nothing wrong with that way of. Thinking, however, when it affects us in the sense that it affects the way it, it, there's a community right. that feels that way, and it affects the way the bars you know serve out alcohol around the community, then that kind of hurts us. But anyway, maybe we should move on to the next beer. Jamie, very good stuff. Speaking of the Church Brew Arcs, you sent me an article today. The uh, oh well, okay, you want to go head into brewer that? Uh, Brian? Oh uh, yeah, we can kind of jump around. Oh, it's in there. Mm-hmm. Brian's going out to uh, Colorado to work at a yeast uh, company. So we yeah. got some new brewers there. New bre- well, okay. So basically, Brian Pearson is leaving the Church Brewers. He, um, well, the area is called Lawrenceville. I always thought it was just like East Liberty. Nope, that's Lawrenceville. Well, anyway, he's moving out to Colorado. He's going to work for BSI, the brewery, the Brewing Science Institute, which already sells yeast to some craft breweries in the region. Um, I went back to the church uh, today to get some beer for the post show. 
and uh, talked to briefly to the bartender there, and he said, you know, yeah, Brian is leaving, but we're always going to have a lot of good yeast. Right. That's cool. <laughs> Taking over for Brian is going to be uh, Brant Dubovic, and assisted by Matt Moninger and Donald Caldwell and Steve O'Neill. Matt listens to the show. Fantastic. So congratulations, Matt, for picking up the brewing gig. Matt, that's awesome. Can't wait to see what you've got going. And uh, I tried your Thunder Hop and your Smoke Porter. And uh, I, the Thunder Hop was, was, was good. It, was, it wasn't great. But the Smoke Porter, excellent. And we're going to have a Smoke Porter in the push up. So. I can't wait for you to make a, a big freaking spider sports beer. <laughs> There's about six people who will get that joke. Okay. You want to clean out your glass yeah. a little bit there? Yeah, our next beer. Now, this one used to be an oyster stout and might still be an oyster stout, but we're not sure. Mm. This is the Yards Love Stout. I was putting together the notes today, and on the website, they're like, this beer is no longer made with oysters. So it's it's not an oyster stout anymore. You won't be able to find it on shelves. On the label, though, it still says, um, Love Stout... Is traditionally brewed with whole oysters in the kettle boil. This ale is passionately smooth. Alcohol five percent. So five percent. Yes, five percent alcohol. Uh, Yards Brewing Company in Philadelphia. Five percent alcohol by volume. And if you want to get them, you can find them if you live in Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or Washington D.C. Or if you are visiting any of those areas. In the first beer, if you want to get that, you have to know Jamie Barlow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, sugary kind of roastiness. Yeah. A little bit of, almost kind of like, almost as a milk stout kind of aroma. Yeah, borderline. It's not quite that sweet. Um, but yeah, it's close. It's, it's almost like an English sweet stout. Not quite as sugary as a milk stout would be. And just a, a bit of chocolateness, chocolateiness under there. Get an interesting roast through this. A little bit different than what you're used yeah. to. It's, um, how would you describe the roast on this one? The roast is a little on the hmm, on the charred side. Yeah, and, and pretty bitter, too. Yeah. But the bitter, like, comes on slow and then fades away before the aftertaste is gone. But, yeah, it's, it's a pretty bitter one, that second sip. It's kind of, uh, it, it's, it's kind of smooth, and then the bitterness hits you. It's it's got a smoother mouthfeel. Then yeah. as beerness hits, it hits kind of the back of your tongue, and it's a little bit astringent. Yeah, I'm picking up a little bit of hops in the aroma and the aftertaste, actually. Yeah, yes, definitely. You know exactly where you're coming from. I don't think there are oysters in here anymore. I had this beer one time with oysters. It was um, I th- it was like right when I was like starting to expand from stouts into other beers. Uh, I think it was actually the day that I picked up my first six-pack mix and match with the Hop Devil in it, right? It was at Mad Max, and I had this, and I I didn't like it at all, the the oyster stout. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because the oysters or because I was uninitiated, but yeah, but the last time I had this beer, I just didn't like it. Um, one of two stouts that I've ever had that I didn't care for, so... Oh, I don't dislike it. I think it's actually pretty drinkable. No, no, I, now it's drinkable. I'm just yeah. saying before... Not saying the oysters will cause that. I could have just been oh, no, yeah, I see uninitiated. What you're going with that. So, but you know, just so people don't think we still don't like it. No, I think you know, I still think it's very. It is an enjoyable, drinkable beer. I don't know whether it's you know, it's hitting the spot, so to say. Right. Jason from San Jose sent us an email. Longtime listener and DVD owner. DVD still available on the website if you are <laughs> curious. And yes, the two people that have ordered most recently, your DVDs will be in the mail shortly. Um, Cafe de Alsace, as we said, he said it's pronounced doll sauce. Right. And I've heard a bunch of different pronunciations like doll sauce, doll sauce, doll sauce. So we'll just say, we'll say doll sauce from now on. But um, he also suggests that he really dislikes hearing only the listeners' first names. That we should give the listeners full name or where they're from or something like that. I've so been putting in where they're from when people uh, have said so 
because of that, I think that's a very good suggestion on his part, and that's what I'm doing right now. I mean, not everybody gives us where they're from, so... We just start asking for it. Yeah. So when you send us an email, give us your name and where you're from. Unless you don't want us to say so. If you don't want us to say so, we won't say so. He had some other things that um, you know were, were good suggestions, uh, one of which was he likes when we order the drinking ex- techniques such as east to west, which we can't always do. So he even likes the, the contrived ones. He finds yeah. some fun in there. So like he probably likes tonight, oysters and oatmeal, right? So. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> I really like oysters with my oatmeal. Uh, he also likes the sidebar topics, and so do I. I like when we get off onto little tangents. He, as long as it doesn't take over the show, I, I actually like that. Kind you of know, stuff. some people like our show because we stay on topic, mm-hmm. and we want to, you know, take this show. We want to do the beer stuff seriously. So yeah. I do not want the main show to be what we do in the post shows, right? So, but yeah, an occasional sidebar, especially if it's kind of beer related, don't have a problem with. Yeah. So, oh, he says he really likes the extensive off the wall flavor, color, aroma descriptions. Well, I'm glad you like him because they're going to keep getting more off the wall. I'm sure. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to do. I want to find like a sheet of a pa- like a contact sheet, like with a bunch of different browns and what the names of the colors are. <laughs> I think that'll just help us. You know, this one's a chocolate burgundy, and well, that's the thing. I mean, if, if we have the sheet, but no one else has a sheet, how are they going to know what it, we say? It's all imaginative, then, though. You know, I mean, because we just don't have the the words. Like, you know, sometimes I think chestnut, but chestnut might be too red. So, what's the next color would I want to use? I don't know. If I had a sheet, I could say it. So. Or we could like get really descriptive. Like this looks like the wood on my desk after I rub it with a pencil for a while. <laughs> Pictures of the desk will be available on Flickr. Yeah. So a lot of great suggestions there. Uh, thank you, Jason, and we'll we take uh, most of them to heart. Yes, he had some good feedback. We changed the intro for you. Yeah. So we're back to the love stout. Love stout. But there's no aphrodisiac in this anymore. But I do love stout, so they got me on. They got me on at least one level there. Yep. So comparing this to Jamie's, well, Jamie's actually felt fuller to me, mm. and had more stuff going for it. Had yeah. more of that extra flavor to it. It wasn't quite as smooth as mouthfeel. That was okay. I. I, I actually liked a little bit more carbonation. You know, I, I'm right. kind of a carbonation fan, so yeah. I like that. And this one just kind of feels like doesn't have quite the same level of sweetness that I'm really going for. I mean, I love a sweet style. I love sweet styles. And so this one doesn't have quite as much there. But it's still, this one is probably more drinkable than Jamie's. I think this one, you could have a couple of these easy. And Jamie's, there's like, it, it felt like more of a sipping beer, more of yeah. a beer you want to There's certainly more slowly. stuff going on, more stuff to to analyze and, and um, you know, just enjoy in Jamie's. This one is more of... Solid beer. There's no obvious flaws. And yeah, it's a stout, you know? Yeah. I think it probably would behoove them to put oysters back in it because it probably adds some another another level to the stout. Then again, I mean, I drink this, you know, a hundred times ahead of Guinness. So it's yeah. like... Yep. Okay, well, let's move on to a different type of stout. We're moving on to... We have two oatmeal stouts here. That one's heavier, so let's do this one. And because we have two of a specific type, we actually have a BJCP guide for them. The oatmeal stout is... I couldn't find a BJCP guide for oyster stouts. No, they, they had it labeled under, like, sweet stouts, actually. Oh, they did? Well, they, but they didn't really have one for oyster stouts. They had an oyster stout there that doesn't have oysters in it. Oh. That's one of their examples of a sweet stout. I see. So, what are you going to do? Uh, anyway, the oatmeal stout, for the aroma, you're going to get mild roasted grain aromas, who would have thought, with a coffee-like character, a light sweetness, which can imply a coffee and cream impression. Fruitiness should be low to medium. Diacetyl, medium, low to none. Diacetyl is, for those who don't know, the kind of buttery taste. A hop aroma, low to none. And a light oatmeal aroma is optional. And I think preferred in this style, for me at least. Medium, the flavor is medium sweet to medium dry palate. With the complexity of oats and dark roasted grains, oats can add a nutty, grainy, earthy flavor. Dark grains can combine with malt sweetness to give an impression of milk chocolate or coffee with cream. Medium hop bitterness with a balance towards malt, diacetyl, medium low to none. Hop flavor, medium low to none. And so what's the idea here? Well, you're sticking oatmeal as another grain in the stout. So you're getting all those extra sugars from the oatmeal, which are, I believe... 
like unlike milk sauce, I, I think that oatmeal can be processed by uh, yeast. Uh, some. I don't think there's too much gravity that's derived from the the oats. A lot of times that they'll be um, they'll be flaked oats, so they're already kind of um, cooked. Right. So you get some of that uh, convertible starch or starches instead of you know the higher um, starch. For yeah. those who don't know, milk stouts use lactose, and lactose is, is like sucrose, a disaccharide, and yeast can't eat uh, bi sugars like disaccharides. Right. Uh, they can eat the mono sugars. Mm, that's a good smell, isn't it? <laughs> this is part of the Harpoon 100 Barrel series. It's a limited edition that they do. This was the oatmeal stout, was actually. Uh, Did we say this is Harpoon Oatmeal Stout? Unless I missed that when I was looking at all my papers. I hope we said that. We're talking about the beer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's batch number one. The website said this was brewed in 2003, but Beer Advocate says it's a rotating offering. And I don't think this 12-ounce bottle's been sitting around for three years. So they must have brewed it again. There's a really uh, uh, almost candy sweetness here. It's approaching that candy area almost like a Belgian. I'm getting an aroma that's almost reminiscent of an imperial stout. A little bit of alcohol warming. Even though it's only 5%, I think I yeah. smell alcohol yeah, warming I, somehow. I think that's kind of the sugar also playing with your with your um, nose buds a bit. 5.05. My yes, your olfactory My nose buds. buds. <laughs> well, they're like taste buds in your nose. 5.05% alcohol by volume. Yeah, the, the flavor really doesn't come across like an imperial at all mm. but the aroma for some reason was playing with you making it smell like a, a kind of alcoholic beer the flavor is kind of a light slightly sweetened stout really hits you sweet uh in on, on the top of your mouth and, and around the, a little bit around the sides other than that it feels kind of like a soft stout it, it, it's just it's a soft flavor and a soft mouth feel well the oatmeal typically smooths it out can give you a bit of a creamy flavor the oats are kind of oily sometimes you can see a um little sheen of oil in the beer. Um, but I think it smooths out this beer. A slight amount it. of bitterness near the end as, as kind of the roastiness of the malt gets back in the end. Not a lot of hop character here. Harpoon Brewery, Boston, Massachusetts. Harpoon Oatmeal Stout. Oh, I just got a weird little glimpse of a flavor in the aftertaste. It was kind of like toasted oats or something like that. Really interesting. I mean, the way it just it came and went and I'm like... I wish I could isolate that flavor and just like, just zone in on that and really keep it because I really enjoyed that little flavor of toasted oats. I'm a guy who loves traditional breakfast cereal type stuff. I love grits. Okay. I love oatmeal. I love all that kind of you know hot. I love making traditional breakfast stuff in, at night and having dinner. Like that, even having oatmeal for dinner. Oh, I got news for, for you. Um, Rick did a show with, um, oh, what beer did he use? I forget. It's the 120-minute IPA? I think so. But Big Mike, whichever beer it was, maybe the 120-minute, he said, this beer would go good with pancakes. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> I am awesome. <laughs> Pancakes. And he didn't know that we've ever said that and nice. had the controversy about pairing beer with pancakes. Yeah, I know. We had a, we had some people who were we had at least two people who were yelling at us for saying pancakes with beer. Open and, your minds, uh, people. Yeah, I know. We haven't really talked. You know, we haven't really been talking about what food this would go with. But what food would this go with? I'm thinking some kind of breaded. See, this would go Pork really chops? Good. I'm really thinking like a clam chowder. Like a, a thick, milky soup. You know what? I'm going to pair this with um, some kind of vanilla sundae with graham crackers in it. <laughs> uh, the graham cracker, I just think, would go really well with the, the oat aftertaste I'm It getting. could really work. I mean, because of the sweetness here. I think that stouts uh, and porters really have uh, a lot to say as good dessert beers. 
We don't usually think of beer as a dessert thing, but these are so roasty and malty. And all those sugars from the sweetness from ice cream or whatever works really well with this with the sugars that you're getting from the maltiness in here. I'm I'm working on isolating that toasted oat flavor I told you about. It's about for me it's about four seconds in the aftertaste. Comes and stays for about two seconds and goes away. And every sip I'm like waiting for those two seconds. That's my favorite part of this beer. It's this toasted oats you get in the aftertaste. Greg's trying to find it. It's a, it's a fleeting flavor. It, it's not like it, it's, it's that obvious. I get but. more oats from it as it's going down, as I'm okay. swallowing it, than I do from this aftertaste that you're getting. I get oats right as I'm swallowing it. I really get a lot of the oat flavor. Yeah, there's some right at the swallow. And there it comes. Mm, I like that. <laughs> it's funny. I've had several oatmeal stouts. I can't think of specific examples now. Never been a huge fan of the style. They've always seemed overtly astringent to me the ones i've had that hmm. are you know i recall well, like i don't recall the labels but i recall drinking an oatmeal stout and not being too happy with it harpoon which is everywhere in boston is available in connecticut maine massachusetts new hampshire new york and vermont so this beer was we should mention this beer was sent to us by martin so was the next one so is the next one so thanks martin It's also brewed by Harpoon Vice President for Brewing Operations, Al Marzi. Al has also brewed two other 100-barrel series editions, the Alt and the Maybach, number five and number nine. Which one is this? Number one. Number one. This was their first 100-barrel. Like I said, this had to, almost had to be rebrewed. I can't imagine yeah. that this has been sitting around for three years. But maybe it was. Their doesn't, website doesn't really no, have a lot of oxidation like you'd expect. Yeah, their it, website has no information about this thing being brewed after 2003. Interesting. So. We have another news story here. Um, this is kind of interesting. There's a hotel bar is not usually a place where you grab the latest beers, but the Sheraton is hoping to change that with their Better Brews program. Uh, the idea is to put some of the top regional craft beers and import beers in their restaurants inside their hotels. Uh, and there are the interesting guidelines here. The bars are required to have at least 10 craft brews, including Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Sam Adams Lager, and Anchor Steam. They must have at least one India Pale Ale on draft, as well as a stout or a porter. Also required is an IPA or a pale ale in a bottle, a wheat beer, a red or brown ale, and a seasonal or fruit beer. An emphasis is also put on local craft beer brewers. And this is on, you know, this wow. the, the, it's, you know for Sheridan, the whole idea is to bring people to their hotels, bring people to their bars that they have in these places, and right. really kind of lift up the, the culture there. And I think it's a great idea. Is this, is this in place already? Yeah. So there's a Sheraton right near here. I don't know whether it's in every Sheraton. Uh, but this is... Oh, uh, yeah, this is Pittsburgh, right? So. Yeah. No, that sounds like, I mean, the guidelines sound a little strict, but the guidelines that they put forth... Sound really good. You I mean, need to have one IPA and one porter on draft? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it sounds strict, but think about this. The first hotel to take part in this program was in Los Angeles. That hotel now has 75 beers available. Yes, it's strict when you have 10 beers, but once you have 75, it's not strict at all. I mean, it's easy to have. If you have 75 beers, it's easy to have an IPA and a porter and a stout on tap. Yeah, it's, um, you know, a lot of people, like my dad, you know, he won't really ask what beers they have. He knows they'll have Coors Light or whatever, so who'll order Coors Light? A lot of people are that way. If you can kind of get them in the atmosphere of, hey, we got 75 beers, and we don't mind telling you all 75, why don't you try one of those, you know? Yeah. I've always been surprised. I've never worked at a bar, so I shall let all the listeners that, but I've always been surprised, like these bartenders at craft beer bars who don't try to upsell you know, someone who orders a Newcastle when there's Brooklyn yeah. on tap or something like that. They talk about this here. Now, they, they have the the big beers not ignored. Buzzweather, Coors, Michelob, and Corona are still available. However, uh, let me see. Each, uh, let's see if I can find this here. Each Every bar has a beer expert. They train the bar workers uh, and to give them teach them. They train the bar workers on several subjects, such as the difference between ales and lagers, about the brewing process, how to pair a beer with food, and how to discuss basic beer styles. That's good training. I mean, that's great training for bartenders, especially. I mean, you have a beer expert who's there who teaches the bartenders about beer. Gives not only does it give them. Uh, 
you know, answers to questions about beers, but it gives them something to talk about with the people there. And if you know that Sheratons are going to have great beers, then you're much more likely to go to a Sheraton. Next time I book yeah. my business travel, I might be more likely to book it at a Sheraton. Absolutely. Uh, wow, that that's cool. It, it, it looks like they're really taking it seriously. And to have such a big company have such interest in you know beer selection, I won't even say craft beer, but a lot of these styles are craft beer. That, that's just really cool that they're training the people. Now, I can imagine when you work at a bar, you just get tired. You just want to serve the beer. But, you know, there's been times I've been sitting at Mad Mex, and like I said, someone wants to order a Newcastle when there's Brooklyn Brown Ale on tap. Right. You know, I, I couldn't help. You know, if I was a bartender, I'd say, hey, have you, have tried, you, tried, yeah. have you tried this Brooklyn Brown? You know, give them a taste of it or something. How about the Shiner Buck? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to go there, Weiss? Do you have to go there? <laughs> Sorry, that's the first thing that came into my mind. Right. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I don't know. If any of you people work in a, a beverage industry, I'd love to hear your point and perspective on trying to upsell people who are drinking kind of craft beers to, to real craft beers or helping people expand their palates or whether you find out most people just want the beer that they want and don't care about variety. One, they're talking about one of these beers that had one of the one of the uh, Sheratons has on tap: Sam Adams Seasonal, Sella Atrios, Pauliner Lager, uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Offshore IPA, and Harpoon. Other beers available include Wein Weinstaufer Weiss, uh, Gary's Pale Ale from Maine, Fuller's London Porter, and Lindemann's Frambo. So, I mean, that's a good selection right there. I'd be very happy if some Bisbrick bars had a selection like that. Yeah. You're going to get some pronunciation gate after yeah. that. <laughs> anyway, it's really cool. Sheraton, a big uh, big props for doing that. Okay, it looks like we're time for the last beer of the night. It's the Ipswich Oatmeal Stout. So from- Mercury Brewing Company in Boston, Massachusetts. This is also from Martin. Thank you very much. Available in the Boston area, 6.8% alcohol by volume year-round. Also available in Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Rhode Island, the tiniest state. Yeah, on their website, for finding our beer, they only had, like, the Boston area. So, like, from Boston up to New Hampshire and a little bit west. On rate beer, they had those other states, so you might be able to find it. Might not. Okay, this beer pours with the... Same color and same thickness of head that uh, Jamie's poured with. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of a sugary sweetness coming from that one. Just from this big head that we have, which is like four fingers worth, or even five on Jeff's. It smells kind yeah, of like a sugar smells, solution, doesn't it? Smells, smells pretty sweet. It smells like some of my homebrews. They didn't yeah. quite hit the final gravity that I wanted them to hit. You want to do what beer am I? We're waiting for the heads to go down? Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Last week's clues were, I am an imperial porter, my name is a question, and I don't even know my own father. I have three wild sisters in my family. One is a whore who likes hops, one likes to be spanked and likes barley wines, and the last one is an angry bitch who likes beers that are bitter. The answer is... (laughs) Whores. No. The answer is (laughs) Tyranina, who's your daddy? Bourbon barrel-aged imperial porter. That sounds good. (laughs) <laughs> Bourbon barrel aged imperial porter. It's also a mouthful. Uh, your winners: Robert Held from Fargo, Drew Johnson, Justin from Dunlap, Troy C, Chris Nork, Steve Walters, Rick from Big Foamy Head, Tom Zold, Ryan Daly, and Brian Greenwood, and Tom Schmidlin. Also, he got a last moment entry. And Tom Schmidlin. The winner is Ryan Daly. Ryan, congratulations. You win a glass from East End Brewing Company by a good friend, a good beer. It's a pint glass, by the way. So send us an email and give us your address, and we'll get that pint glass out to you. Send, uh, okay, this week's clues are very short. I am an IPA. That's it. So <laughs> <laughs> Start guessing. No, no, no. There's a second clue. I am named in celebration of a dead rock star's first album. There you go. That's all you get. Send so, your guesses to the email address wbai at craftbeerradio.com and uh, put your guess in there. 
and I'll let you know if you're right or wrong. That'd be a funny WBAI if we did. <laughs> I have an IPA. <laughs> I'm a beer. <laughs> oh, man. So here's the hey, beer. you know there's several ways you can give us feedback. Oh, that's true. Radio. You can send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can post a comment on our new and improved website. We've been getting a lot of cool stuff from our forums. and I can't believe people are having conversations on our message I boards. can believe it. I mean, what? They're talking about beer. Right. But I, I wanted to get into the vegan thing. Oh, okay. We can bring up vegan. But I mean... I mean, it's cool that they're using our, our website to converse and, and keep it up. That's great. But there's so many beer places out there. I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe that they've been waiting for us to put up a message board for them to... <laughs> I, don't, I don't see why it's hard to believe. I mean, okay. People who listen to our show want to get together and talk about the subjects we talk about. Maybe then go on to other subjects. And... Sure. All right. It's the internet, Jeff. It's a new it concept. Is. Vegan. Vegan. Yeah, there's been some there's been some stuff on our message boards about vegan beers. You know, is it vegan to drink a beer because yeast are producing the alcohol and yeast are not plants? They're not animals, but they're not plants. I mean, scientifically, right? So, what you know, is it okay to eat? And I say, I mean, come on, are you a vegan? Seriously, that's what I say. To <laughs> <laughs> no, the I, I think it comes down to the person wasn't really sure of you know what yeast were classified as. They uh, the way they were looking at it, they thought that that they were animals or something. But yeah. yeast are fungus. fungus. And a fungus is well, think of think of on one side you have a plant, and on the other side you have a, a slightly evolved animal, say an insect, right? And in the middle, there you go. There's your fungus. That's what your fungus is. It's, it's kind of an ant. It, you know, it's kind of an kind of an ant or cockroach, and it's kind of a. a I don't a, see how it can be kind of an ant or cockroach. It, well, it's a lot closer to a plant, but it doesn't use photosynthesis. Its metabolism works differently, but it, it's it's a fungus. That's why it has its own family. It's it, it's it is not a plant. It, it is it is fundamentally different from a plant. Right. Uh, some closer fungus to, closer to a plant than a puppy. Some fungus can move. Well, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> say puppy. I said you know, insect. Yeah, not quite as evolved, but very. But then again, insects are very highly evolved, so I shouldn't put it that way necessarily. Right. But I I think of, but fungus is extremely highly evolved as well. So right. So anyway, it comes down to <laughs> on. It's an evolutionist. What will be as long as your beer doesn't have. Isinglass in it, which is made from fish's swim bladders, or uh, there's another animal byproduct you can use in beer. Oysters. Well, oysters, yeah, that wasn't a vegan beer. Or even a vegetarian beer. Right. But uh, most beers are, and if you're a, a vegan person who thinks yeast well, or Well, lactose animals, stouts wouldn't be... Well, No, yeah, I guess not. You know, well, can, can you, you produce lactose without having to get it from... A cow? A cow? <laughs> I think so. I think okay. I mean it's just lactose is just a type of sugar, right? So that's a, no, that's the question. The next question: Do vegans consider lactose to be an animal byproduct or not? Yeah. All right. So we haven't talked about the the whole vegan style. thing. I'd like to talk about this in the post show, but the whole vegan thing. Well, I'll explain more about that. Yes, we're on to the. Uh, that was weird. I just smelled something really weird. Socks? No. I can smell it again. I smelled something that smelled like the doctor's office. Huh. Kind of the sterilization stuff that they use in the doctor's office. Yeah, almost kind of rubbery Band-Aid. Oh, yeah, you're right. Now you say Band-Aid. has a little bit of that in it. Any dates on the bottle? This is the Ipswich Oatmeal Stout. Guaranteed fresh and local. <laughs> I guess it doesn't sit on my cellar for six months. Yeah, it's on a lot of bandit actually now. The more that I sniff, the more I smell of it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So stop sniffing. <laughs> <laughs> so this beer's a bit oxidized. Yeah, and I think it's really hurting it. Because. Mm, it just kind of tastes a little bit astringent without... Yeah, Band-Aid typically comes from 
Let's see if I remember right. One of the causes is if you use beer with uh, chlorine or chloramines in it, that'll form a, the Band-Aid testing flavor. Oxidiza- oxidation by itself doesn't cause Band-Aids, but it, I think I'm pretty sure it also is a sign of age. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, I mean, you know, people might say, we're going you know, call our bluff if we'd say it's oxidized. <laughs> well, it's, um... Because I doubt any professional breweries could be brewing with chlorinated water. Mm-hmm. And you know it's that's unfortunate because that's really all I'm tasting is that band-aid and a little bit of roastiness. It's uh, unfortunate that we got to that point. Uh, there's an email or a news story rather I wanted to uh, talk about here just because it's something interesting for our you know few Australian listeners that uh, there's some more brewers coming into play, more small brewers coming to play in in uh, Australia, and I assume be able to get more stuff to New Zealand at least easier than other stuff from other areas. Like little world beverages who create little creatures. Seen run at shares as a thirty million dollar plant expansion in Fremantle. Empire Beer Group sail on anchor. Matilda Bay and Gage Rose Brewing need to have a strong presence in the port city of Fremantle. So it's just it's good to see that beer is taken off everywhere. Greg from New Zealand put a message on message boards. He's having a hard time to expand his lager appreciation. Yeah. That's something both Greg and I can uh, relate to. It took us, I think you started liking lagers before I did, but it took me a long time to really get into lagers. And he uh, was curious if someone could prescribe a a couple beers to try. Well, I mean, it's tough, especially where you are. Here's the thing about lagers, and I wanted to mention this in the show because, it, like you said, it took us some time. Right. Uh, I think that – I've mentioned this before, but I think that what happens when you get into craft beer is you're immediately drawn to the kind of big flavors you can get from it's ale. It's not just that. For me, lagers had this tinny, metallic taste that I just didn't well, like in a lot too. of beers. But, I, I mean, I think that I, – I do still think that part of it is that you're drawn to all these flavors and then you start expecting that from beers. And lagers tend to be – are different – Animal in the sense of what they do is they present to you clean and crisp. Right. So you think it was just like the lack of esters and phenols that came across as metallic or something? Well, or? no. I mean, the metallic stuff is also from the noble hops. Oh, the noble you know? funk, yeah. That we and part of the deal is make sure you can get your beer fresh. Yeah. And the other part is make sure you get your beer, you know, it's well crafted and it's not um, designed to be a, a mass market. Right. You know, swill you down. <laughs> but for I mean, the trick with lagers really is just to get Start, and the, I say this. You know, there are people who are who are listening who are you know who don't maybe don't like lagers, but love you know everything out there. So if I say expand your your palate and, and start appreciating all the other ales that are out there, typically going to say, well, I already do that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of the process is right. you really start you know appreciating the milder ales, and you, the stronger ales, the milder ales, all the stuff that isn't necessarily hoppy. Go towards malty stuff. Hit, hit yourself up with some of these sweet stouts. Hit yourself up with uh, ambers that don't that aren't especially hoppy. Get used to a beer that's not going to hit you with hops. Start appreciating stuff from that angle, and then start thinking about well. A crisp beer, something that is going to uh, be a little bit, I don't know, it's not going to excite your taste buds so much, but it's really going to go down smooth and easy. And really, I would guess start with something maybe heavier, lager side. If, if you're really into ales, you're really into flavorful stuff, go with, you know, my box, Doppel box. Right. Go with um, things that are very strong lagers, imperial pilsners, you know, strong pilsners. And then just slowly get yourself into some of the crisper stuff. Like yeah, I don't for me, really, man, a, a I Dortmunder lager will totally hit the spot almost any time. A really well done Dortmunder, yeah. or uh, you know, a Vienna style lager or something like well, that. Well, that's what I was going to mention. One of the first lagers I had where I didn't have that that lager twang that I didn't care for was a Vienna lager. It was the Great Lakes Elliot Ness, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a couple other Viennas after there. Same as Boston Lager is basically a Vienna. Uh, so that was one of the styles that I got used to first. It's a hoppier first. style of lager, though. It's not quite no, the Pilsner, it's not, but it's... it's not, well, there are some hops, I guess, but it, it's prim- primarily a malt-forward beer. Um, Doppelbox would definitely be a good place to start because they're not like a traditional lager. I don't know if you could really transition down from a Doppelbox to a lager. I just don't think that would 
be a very good flow. No, probably. And same with an imperial pilsner. Not, not. I'm not saying like lots of flavor. Just there's not much lager characteristic in those to help you get transitioned into it. But but maybe there is that I'm not seeing. So I would say check out a Vienna lager, Greg, and um, you know try Doppelbach. Uh, hopefully you can get something like Celebrator or Salvatore down there mm-hmm. and give those a try. Celebrator's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't know that I was really into just you know kind of what what some would call bland lagers until I really tried like Great Lakes um, uh, Dortmunder Gold, Dortmunder Gold. Yeah. and that's just it's such a spectacular example of style. I mean, it's got everything you could want there. It's got the malt presence. Doesn't really have a lot of hops, but it has such a crisp and cleanness yeah. to if it. If you if you want to try to get into a light lager, I'd say the key is get a fresh beer. Yeah, a really fresh beer. That'll be the key to get to getting a good tasting light lager, I think. Light colored lager. Yeah. <laughs> you want to rank? Mm. Let's do it. Well, I think unfortunately band aids make the make if switch number four. Yeah. Uh, and it's just uh, the name of the game. Uh, let's see. Well, Jamie's going to be happy with me because I'm going to put his oyster stout number one. It to me was the most enjoyable beer of the night. Now it's unfortunate most people can't get that. So it's like just about everybody. Yeah. So, There's one listener I know of who can get it. Yeah. So I'm sorry about that, but in terms of the beers you can get, I'd probably go with Harpoon first. I think that uh Harpoon was, you know, nice, had that oatmeal character to it. It had uh it had some interesting flavors going on there. I liked it a lot. Uh Yars was next with a little bit of a stringency there, but uh I, I think it probably would be better with oysters in it. Right. What are you gonna do? Last goes Mr. Band aid the Ipswich. I agree with you. Exactly. I, yeah. People already knew that. You know, Jamie's really enjoyed the flavors in it. It was a bit oxidized, but the oxidized actually made the beer what I you know, awesome for what I was looking for. And then the harpoons just behind it. I love those oatmeals. Hands down the best the oatmeal stuff that I've enjoyed the most. I haven't had any many recently. We'll try to get some more before the weather gets warm again. And uh see how I feel about that. It's already pretty warm out there today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> summertime already. <laughs> Yards number three. It was a good drinker. Nothing much wrong with it, and that's why it's ahead of the Ipswich, which tastes a bit bandaidy and probably fresh. It'd be a lot better. So that's all for episode fifty-nine of Craft Beer Radio. Next week we might do some more dark beers. Might do some Scottish and Irish ales. So one of those two. Talk to Ian's guys later. Very nice. <laughs> High five. High five. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Yeah. Promise me you'll never go away So I don't have to put these roads on your plate